outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and this week we talk to a hunter who killed the biggest buck in show history. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. This is episode 469, and we are officially in late October. Now, normally, joining me for the intro is Mark Kenyon, but as you've probably seen on Instagram or Facebook, he is on assignment with our buddy Clay Newcomb, making some really cool content that I think you're probably going to see more of in 2022. So, joining me is our other buddy, Tony Peterson. And Tony, last time I talked to you, you were taking twin nine-year-old daughter one out for a deer hunt who you got a doe Um, but this last weekend you took out twin nine-year-old daughter two and you did even better tell us about that hunt oh man so uh, they actually both the girls got does in september but then they're you know you know how they are so they're like we got to get bucks now and so last weekend we were on a buck mission over there in northern wisconsin and the very first night we got over there five minutes into our hunt my daughter taps me and she goes, dad, there's a buck right there. And I was, I thought she was joking because my kids mess with me all the time. So I didn't even look and she goes, dad, right there. And I looked out and there's a little forky standing there. And I just, I felt like we had a, this is it, totally not like me, but I felt like we had a really good chance of, of encountering a bigger deer. So I told her, I was like, honey, you can do what you want. But I think if we let this one go, we'll have a bigger one come in. And she sat there for like, 12 seconds. And she goes, dad, I really think my first buck should be a little guy. <laughs> and I, I said, all right, light him up, honey. And she made a good shot and got him. And it was, it was really cool. Awesome. That is uh, good parenting, something I don't know anything about. So uh, <laughs> glad to hear the hunt went down like that. And I imagine Tony, this opens up sort of the rest of the fall for you to focus on you and your hunts. Is that right? Well, so I have one nine-year-old who hasn't shot a buck this year. Oh, no. So I, I know I'm, I'm turning right around and going back to get her one, uh, you know, this coming next couple of days and see if we can see if we can get another forky in range. And then after that, it'll be my time to get into a tree. 
Sweet. Glad to hear of all the successes so far with your daughters. Um, now, what I really want to talk to you about, Tony, is in-season scouting and what hunters should be looking for this time of year, because I know you would do a lot of traveling to hunt and you're often exploring new properties, especially this time of year, because as I've talked to you before, Tony, uh, I think mid-October, late October tends to be one of your favorite times of year to, to make an out-of-state trip and, and go kill a whitetail sort of a week or weeks before a lot of hunters are getting in the woods for their big uh, extended period and, and taking vacation time off and stuff like that. So what are some things that a whitetail hunter should be looking for right now if they're entering a new state or a new piece of property for the first time and they've got like one day to do some in-season scouting to sort of set the table for the rest of their trip? Yeah, man. I mean, I think you could even say not only those groups of hunters, but anyone who's, even if you're on private ground, uh, you know, my strategy right now is to get into the, into the cover and look for big concentrations of buck sign. You know, and a, a lot of people kind of make a mistake of, you know, they see signs showing up everywhere on field edges right now. And they go, this, this is it. This is all I need. But you know, if you hunt pressured deer, it's, it, you want to get into the cover typically. And so I, I just look for some scrapes, you know, I'm kind of moving when it gets toward the end of October, I'm kind of moving away from scrape hunting and really focusing on rubs. And man, there's nothing I like better than walking in and getting into like the real cover, kind of reverse engineering that travel from the food sources and just looking for rubs. And if I find the right concentration of fresh rubs, then it's time to start hunting. So paint me then a detailed picture of say it's October 20th and you're in just some general Midwest state and you're going into the woods to look for sign. What, what is like the exact ideal scenario that you're hoping to find? Well, you know, it probably starts with the, the easy sign, you know, the field edge, the meadows, whatever, where most people would start, but you know, that's probably nocturnal sign making, right? That's probably nocturnal travel, but it tells you, okay, we're not super far away and there's probably going to be daylight movement in the cover somewhere close to here. So, you know, I might start with the easy stuff, but I'm always backtracking and getting into the cover and just looking for some concentration of sign within, you know, maybe a hundred to five, 600 yards away from those destination food sources. But it just has to be something with some terrain that offers them an advantage as far as wind. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a staging area strategy, but it gets even tighter when you're like, okay, there's a whole bunch of rubs here, 200 yards off this field in a place that's real thick and not all that easy to approach. I, I just like that tight cover and high concentration of sign. Now let's fast forward like two weeks. Say it's November 3rd, but it's same scenario. You're in a place that you've never hunted before, uh, and, and you have like one afternoon to get into the woods and, and sort of find what you need to find. What are some things you're going to be looking for when the rut is in full swing and you're on a brand new property? terrain man what, what what's funneling them and it, you know we think about rut hunting like you got to find that sign and you know get on those rubs like i'm talking about right now and for me the most valuable sign that i see for rut hunting like pure like right in the heart of it rut hunting is a pounded trail that goes through some kind of pinch point or funnel i don't care if there's rubs or scrapes or whatever anymore what i want to see is a place where the deer have to travel and it gives me some kind of wind advantage, some kind of access advantage. 
So, you know, it, it might be a river bottom where a, a bluff butts up to the river bank, or it might be just your traditional bluff country kind of a battle, something like that. That's just like they, the deer look like they have to go through here. That's what I want. I love it. Hearing that gets me uh, stoked for November, but we still have like another 10 days before we're there. So we ought to focus on late October. And that's what you're going to hear about in our interviews this week. And who we talked to is Aaron Sly from the 9010 Project in Iowa, who uh, buried the lead on this a little bit, but he killed the biggest buck in rut fresh history. So you're going to want to hear that interview. The other folks we hear from are Josh Smith from Wildcare Deer Attracting in Tennessee, Cole Stevens in Michigan, and then Kyler Moppert from Louisiana Bowhunter in Louisiana. And for the reading assignments this week, which you can find in the description of this podcast episode, they're going to be linked right there. So all you got to do is scroll down. Uh, you can click on these articles and, and you're going to be uh, right on Wired Hunt's website, getting the info that you need. And that is how to rattle a how to rattle in a buck on public land by John Eberhardt. John goes over his experience with calling in bucks on heavily pressured public land and all the considerations that go into a calling sequence. <clears throat> and then the land feature that too many deer hunters ignore by Bo Martonic. Bo covers one specific land feature that he always looks for when doing boots on the ground scouting and why it's so relevant to white deer hunters. And this is going to be especially useful if you hunt public land or big woods. And then we have how to sight in a bow in 25 minutes by Tony Hansen. Now, hopefully you've been shooting your bow all summer, but if that's not the case, you need to get dialed in quick before the rut. This is how to do it. And last, we have How Adam Hayes Finds the Biggest Buck on a Property by Emily Kantner. Emily interviews one of the best big buck killers we know in Adam Hayes, who shares his strategy for locating the most mature whitetails in a neighborhood. I thank you for joining me, Tony. And uh, the next time I probably talk to you, it is going to be November. So I look forward to that. Good luck with the rest of your season, man. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Good luck to you, too. All right, and joining us on the line next is Aaron Sly from the 9010 Project in Iowa. Now, Aaron, in Iowa, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, uh, based on weather, when you have good weather like we've had, getting those cold temperatures, um, I say an 8. And the reason I say an 8 is uh, I love hunting October. When you get these cold mornings, these cold evenings, uh, even if it's the, the first hour of light or the last hour of light, um, as long as you have cold temps, uh, high pressures, uh, there's no reason not to push it into some of your better spots right now. Now, if you haven't realized it yet, uh, you probably will in a second, but you've likely seen Aaron's pictures floating around these last couple of days of a buck that he named angry that he just killed in Iowa, which is the biggest buck that we've ever talked about in rut fresh history and, and probably one of the biggest bucks killed in 2021 thus far. So Aaron, tell us about this deer named angry. Tell us about the hunt. Tell us about uh, that spot, why you were there and why that deer was ultimately there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you, you had alluded to the 9010 project and what I talk to people about is, you know, 90% of, of hunting is the setup, right? Whether that be growing, maintaining, holding, tracking deer, uh, the, the 10%, the 10% is the kill, of course. Um, so the story of angry is, uh, it's long. It, he, a couple of years ago was a deer that, you know, you'd really kind of uh, scroll through your pictures, uh, in Iowa and just say, it's a nice buck. I seen a nice buck. Uh, we really started paying attention to him last year in 2020. 
um, when he had uh, about 160, 165 inch rack on him. And he was just always pissed off. Every time you seen him, he was just angry, right? Just had a chip on the shoulder. Uh, always posturing deer, whether it was January 9, the day before season, well past rut. He was just always aggressive. Um, so the way that we wanted to set up with angry is, uh, is, is, is go towards his home range, right? And basically tracking him, doing that 90%, tracking him where he was and where he wasn't, we quickly figured out where he wasn't. And that was the problem is running trail cameras. He just disappeared October 1. Last picture of him was probably 10, 10 at night on October 1. And he just disappeared. So again, alluding back to having a, an eight right now for as far as uh, having good hunting. So we picked the cold morning, low or high pressures, and we picked where he wasn't because we didn't know where he was. So we thought, you know what, let's go into a spot. We don't think he is, but he could be. Um, and a lot of the food is getting cut down here. A lot of your corn's coming out, your beans are coming out and, you know, with cut corn, that's kind of a dinner bell for them. So what we did is we set up in a bedding area on the way back from a cornfield. Um, again, cold morning. And a lot of people are thinking you're going to hunt mornings in October. If you got a cold morning and you got high pressures, don't be afraid to go into some of your better spots. Uh, so we slipped back in there and, you know, we had good buck activity the whole morning, uh, just a oodle of does just all over the place. And, uh, and I mean, we sat in there late, you know, I was just watching does just hoping that they're not catching our wind and thinking, man, I should be 300 yards further west towards that cornfield, you know, a little bit further into the bedding. And, uh, and I kind of look up towards the west and see a buck standing on a hillside. And I thought, man, that's a good deer. And, uh, I looked below him and you could act, you could see his acting docile. And, uh, I looked below him and sure enough, there's angry, just doing what he does. He's ears back, pissed off, posturing and ready to fight. So just picking those good spots. Don't be afraid to go into them. Even, uh, even though it is October. As you followed this deer, did you pick up on anything with this pattern that would change based on the weather or based on food status in the area? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, where we thought we'd kill him, he just wasn't showing up. And, you know, you go to the stand and you get a little bit defeated when you have a deer that's been so consistent and you don't shoot him, you don't see him. You start to, to run through worst case scenarios, right? Was he poached? Did he get EHD, which we have commonly here in Iowa? Um, you know, we, we focused on cut corn. I said, you know what, if he's not on these, these big, beautiful green plots we have, he's not on these standing beans. He's not on uh, uh, these, these clover plots, brassicas, cereal grains. He's got to be eating cut corn. That's the only thing that changed, right? So we thought, what changed uh, from October 1 to now? The corn came out. All the corn started getting cut and harvested. And I thought, you know what? He's got to be on cut corn. It's the only place I don't have a trail camera. And sure as heck, that's where he ended up being. So if you got cut corn right now, uh, I'm not saying to hunt on a cut corn field, but put yourself between uh, that cut corn and, uh, and bedding. And that's what we did. What are you seeing for sign making right now in Iowa? Man, it's on fire. Uh, what I really focus on is, is scrapes and, and especially rub posts. You know, I, I've been getting into rub posts with some licking branches and grapevines, uh, specifically grapevines the past couple of years. And I have them on pretty much all of my, uh, my food plots and, as far as sign making goes, these deer are aggressive. 
when I see him hit the field, especially that upper age class deer, you know, you're, you're three year old above, uh, they're really aggressive. You know, they're snort wheezing already. They're, they're, uh, they're rubbing, they're scraping. I mean, when they're scraping, man, they're digging. So they're, uh, they're definitely, this is the time to kill an old deer. If you have, you know, the know-how of, of where your deer is, you might not have them on the exact trail camera, but if you have the, the general idea of the general neighborhood they're in, um, don't be afraid to get in there. Like you said, with sign making, um, I knew dang well when I saw angry at a hundred yards, I said, you know what, this deer's he's as good as dead because, uh, with those upper age class deer, with how aggressive I've seen them and, and their scrapes and rubbing, uh, I just did a snort wheeze at him. He whipped around. I, I grunted a little bit. Once he turned, I knew he was, uh, I knew he was interested. So I kind of got behind the tree and, and hit some horns and, and they always do that little, little tail kick, you know? When he did that tail kick and turned his body, I, I said to uh, the cameraman, I'm like, he's as good as dead. It, it took him about 45 minutes uh, because it's a seven-year-old deer, right? He's going to take his time. They're not stupid. Um, but he took his time. He, he bridged a gap of 100 yards. It took him about 45 to 50 minutes for him to bridge that gap. But uh, don't be afraid to get in there and do some calling. I'm not saying to do an all-out brawl rattle. Uh, uh, blindly, but if you have an opportunity where that deer can't see you, it, it might be an obstruction of view as a, a hill or maybe some brush. Don't be afraid to hit some horns in October. It's the best time to kill them. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Iowa? So the, uh, that's a good question. The, uh, the temperatures are dipping again right now. It's warm, but you still have your cold mornings, right? So Looking forward at the forecast uh, starting tomorrow through the weekend, man, get out there. Don't wait for uh, don't wait for November because you're going to be kicking yourself thinking I missed so many good mornings, so many good nights uh, in Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana uh, because you're waiting for that rut, right? The pre-rut for me, as far as uh, pressured and unpressured deer, um, it's hot right now. So I would label that as an eight to a nine, um, probably a little bit better than Saturday when I killed because we're getting those high pressures and cold temps. And I tell you what, Spencer, the, uh, the amount of movement in the morning is just on fire. And I remember waking up Saturday morning and I'm like, dang, nabbit, I know I got a giant deer to, to, to hunt, but I don't want to get out of bed. Now's the time to get out of bed. Now's the time to hunt these good early October mornings uh, while it's cold. And if you want to see the photos of Aaron's buck angry, go to Instagram and check out at the 9010 project. Uh, there's some great photos there of all 237 inches of antler. Congrats again, Aaron, and thank you for joining me. Thanks, brother. Good luck to everybody. All right, and joining us on the line next is Josh Smith from Wild Care Deer Attracted in Tennessee. Now, Josh, in Tennessee, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, I'd say on a scale of one to 10 over the last 10 days or so, I'd give it a three and I might even go a little lower than that. Um, if it weren't for our younger bucks still kind of sticking in bachelor groups and we're still seeing a lot of daylight activity from them. Uh, the older bucks are kind of dropping off the daylight pictures on the cell cams. Um, and it's fairly slow, uh, because we've got such a high yield of mass crop this year, uh, everywhere around home acorns are just falling like rain so i think that's kind of contributing to 
a little bit of inactivity. The, the deer aren't having to travel quite as much for food. Uh, they can kind of hang tight to those sources that are, are literally just falling out of the sky on them right now. So not much uh, motivation to get up and be mobile. Um, and also, I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we had a good cold front come through this past weekend, but unfortunately it was just really windy at the same time. Uh, the first couple days of that. So I think that it was kind of neutralized a little bit there, but uh, the wind kind of died down on Sunday uh, and it stayed a little cool, but it, and then started to warm right back up on Sunday evening and, and on into Monday. So we had about a 20 degree drop last weekend and we're looking at back up about 15 degrees. Uh, so we're riding right around 75 for the next week or so. So historically in mid to late October in Tennessee, would you consider a three to be normal or below average for deer movement? I'd say it's pretty normal, but it really depends on food. Uh, we're not real ag heavy where I live. So, you know, the mass crop is crucial. And in years where we uh, have, have a light crop, activity is a little higher. But historically, on average, I'd say it's in that three to five range. You mentioned that the mass crop has is, is been large this year. What other food sources are relevant right now for deer hunters in Tennessee? Oh, there's tons of browse, man. Uh, our woods are still thick and green. So, you know, there's plenty of stuff in the undergrowth for deer to be cruising around munching on. Um, and, you know, I think we have back to mass crops we've got 20 species of oaks in tennessee so just tons of opportunity there uh and that's what i would focus on more than anything obviously you know you're looking at your travel corridors but those will probably heat up a little more uh as we close in on the rut uh, in about three four weeks um but yeah as far as food sources definitely mass crop and just you know your your browse that they like to munch on uh, and food plots if you're lucky enough to have them in and what are you seeing for sign making right now we're seeing that they're starting to make scrapes. Uh, it's still kind of premature, but they're happening. They're just not as dense as usual. Um, but I am, you know, using our scents uh, right now. I'll use a, uh, all, really all of them, a basic doe, basic buck. We use our rotten buck and uh, asterisk doe, just kind of uh, keep stock on what's going on and see if anything, you kind of get a good monitor of the rut activity and how close it's getting. You know, it's still a ways out, but you'll get uh Bucks acting aggressive toward different scents and kind of get a good idea on how to make a play on them. Um, so that's kind of the game there. But yeah, scrape activity is kind of moderate yet, but I'd say it'll be heating up pretty good here in the next couple of weeks. Besides on scrapes from a hunting perspective, how are you using scents as we get into late October? If Once we get into late October, uh, depending on the method I'll use for hunting, I like to still hunt quite a lot, so I'm not using scents quite as much when I do that. But when I tree stand hunt, I definitely like to use cover scent. Um, you know, it's thermals are a big deal here. We're in the foothills of the Smokies, so playing the thermals is extremely important, but you can never be 100% with that. So it's great to have something to kind of just boost a little bit of cover scent to, for when the wind does start to swirl in the evening or in the morning. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Tennessee? Man, I'm hoping that we get up to a five or so. I expect it won't climb much higher than that. But if it gets that high, that's that's good enough for me. You know, I think that's good for this time of year. So that's enough motivation for me to be on stand as much as possible. Um, but yeah, you know, in Tennessee's a big state, you got to keep in mind we're in the east side and it's almost like completely different country than the west side. So I don't want to speak for everybody. But if you're in the east side of the state, I think I got it pretty well nailed.
All right, Josh, fingers crossed that you get some cooler weather. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a good one. All right, and joining us on the line next is Cole Stevens in Michigan. Now, Cole, in Michigan, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say it's right around a 5 right now. Um, and I think uh, I give it that because outside of opening weekend, it was really warm and, and, and rainy really here, to be honest, where I'm at in Michigan. Um, and I'd say over the last five, seven days, uh, with that cold front that pushed through it last week, it's really improved. Um, the cameras are a lot more active now with buck activity and we're getting some in daylight. So I think it's it's up to a five and I I can see that increasing here as we go on. What food sources are relevant right now for deer and deer hunters in Michigan? I think the biggest food source would still be, um, acorns right now. Uh, with all that rain that we got, it kind of pushed the crowds back a little bit. There are some cut corn fields where I'm starting to see more deer activity, but I think overall, um, Deer, deer are really sitting on the acorns right now. What are you seeing for sign making this time of year? Um, yeah, so sign has really picked up over the last uh, couple of days. Um, I have some cameras over some mock scrapes and, and noticed that they'd been getting freshened up recently. Uh, and I'm starting to see more scrapes just throughout the woods on the, on the trails and whatnot. So I think um, that's really picking up here. I actually had some uh, Sunday night. I had four bucks come in and they actually made some scrapes near mine and, and starting to spar. So I think the sign and, and testosterone is starting to raise a little bit. Besides on mock scrapes, where else do you like to run trail cameras in mid to late October? Um, right now where I'm at, it's, it's pretty flat. Um, I'm running them off the mock scrapes and outside of that, just uh, in between bedding and our small food pots that we hear uh, that we have in our piece. Um, and then I like to keep a couple just on the edges of, of the food sources, like the ag fields and stuff where deer just crossing through this time of year. In a heavily pressured state like Michigan, I feel like you get a lot of varying opinions on this topic, but do you like to do any calling to bucks in Michigan? Uh, not really. Um, I'm definitely not a, uh, one of those aggressive callers. Um, you know, typically, especially this time of year, I'll wait until maybe early November to do any sort of calling. And that might just be light grunts if i see something in the woods but um i'm not a decoy or uh hardcore caller um here in michigan what are you seeing for morning movement right now uh morning movement had been really slow up until the last few days um i haven't been out this week yet but the cameras were going off and and i'm getting more bucks in daylight um just starting to kind of look like they're cruising um not really running too hard and not really feeding just just crossing paths new deer coming in so um it's starting to pick up if you're doing some in-season scouting in a state like michigan what are you looking for in late october uh personally i'm looking for fresh signs just to see where the deer are at right this minute um you know for example these smaller private pieces that i'm on has a lot of pressure. So if, if I know a deer's in there, he might not be in there for more than a couple of days, if that. So I'm just looking for fresh signs, fresh scrapes is what I, I typically like to hunt over. Um, and really that's what I rely on. I don't really look for the food source too much outside of, um, getting into just where the does might be grazing once the, the rut activity starts to pick up. But right now, just fresh signs. Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Michigan? 
I think this coming weekend and in the week to come would it'll push up to seven, seven and a half, maybe. Um, I think it's really going to increase. Won't be peak yet. We're a little early, but um, we have another cold front coming in with some rain uh, this Thursday, and then it's supposed to be in the lows of 30s and highs of 50s. So uh, I think that's really going to get them on their feet. All right, cool. I like your optimism. Good luck with the rest of your fall. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Kyler Moppert from Louisiana Bowhunter in Louisiana. Now, Kyler, in Louisiana, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? So on a scale of 1 to 10 this past weekend, I'd probably put it at about a 7. And that has a lot to do with the fact that we finally got a cold front uh, second weekend of the season, the main season. Um, we finally got down into the fifties. I think some areas got into down into the mid forties, which is for us down South, pretty cold. So I know I got a lot of buck pictures this weekend sent in from, um, our community members and a lot of people are laying down bow and finally. Now, Louisiana is one of those classic Southern states that has a variety of whitetail herds and, and you always have different phases of the rut happening in different parts of the state. So what is sort of a, a general overview and a rudimentary look at the different phases of the rut happening right now in Louisiana? So um, right now, I know is prime rut for the southwestern part of the state, which for most people, even in the Midwest, would be considered really early. Um, we're talking about a lot of marsh deer, coastal deer um, that are not of the Florida variety, but of the same logic behind why Florida has such an early rut. Um, but I had a Texas warning from a good friend of mine, Ronnie Dugod, that said he almost closed the deal on a big 10 point that he's been hunting that was trailing a doe. And here it is in October 17th, 18th, whatever the date is. And he's been hunting that deer for the last week or two um, on his feet during daylight. And he's getting good rut activity, but in general, most people are getting really good buck activity because we've had, we've got these uh, cooler temps. Now, the reason why the rut is so sporadic across the state, we don't have just one rut period where it's kind of like a two week window and then it's over for everywhere. Kind of like the Midwest or other States. We have um, a bit of a mixed bag of different, um, different types of buck activity and rut activity a lot of times the river parishes as we call, what we call parishes, what other people call counties, people, uh, places that used to historically flood for hundreds and hundreds of years, those deer that are going to be closer to the Mississippi river are going to rut, um, later in the season in order to have their fawn drop be after the flood cycle in the springtime. Um, whereas places in central Northwest and Southwest uh, Louisiana are going to have an earlier rut because that flood cycle isn't as much of a factor. And then you have to throw in the fact that in the sixties, we actually transplanted a, um, I don't know the total number, but a large amount of deer from Wisconsin and other Northern States and released them to kind of repopulate some areas that were barren of deer. And those deer have a more classic Midwestern rut cycle, you know, might be like around, um, Halloween, the first two weeks of November, um, that's common also. So we do say that it's always rutting somewhere in Louisiana, but the thing is, is it's typically so hot here that we call it a trickle rut most times where it'll be rut activity, but it's not this hot and heavy, got to be in the woods, you know, bucks running around without a thought rolling through their head. 
it's not like that. It's you might see a little more daytime movement and you might get a lot of rut pictures at night on camera, but that's about it for us. We're never really wide open like a lot of other states. What food sources are relevant right now for deer hunters in Louisiana? So that's a great question. Um, I had, uh, we just, on, on my podcast last week, we just discussed um, the fact that the beginning of the season last year, by opening day, all the persimmons had dropped and that was over. That was not worth hunting. That was not worth sitting over. It wasn't even worth hanging a camera on. Whereas right now, I still got persimmons dropping well into October, but I think we're probably on our final week of that. Um, a lot of pin oaks, a lot of red oaks are starting to drop really well. Those usually drop consistently throughout the whole season. And I'm expecting the white oaks, or what we call swamp oaks, to um, those are the big, big old green, almost ping pong ball sized acorns. Those should be dropping any day now. And that is, that's my favorite. That's like deer candy. Um, that's starting to drop finally with these cooler tips that, that we just got last weekend. So acorns, uh, or as we call them, acorn trees, oak trees are supposed to be um, probably your best bet for natural food sources in the next couple of weeks because browse are starting to decline. I think those deer have been waiting for, um, for oak trees to start dropping and they've been hammering the browse pretty hard. So if you've got a hot swamp oak or white oak or something like that that's dropping, hang a camera and see if you can time it well with uh, some deer coming in. How does sign making in Louisiana differ for deer and, and deer hunters than it does maybe in a Midwestern state? Um, we're going to get uh, a lot of your early season rubs that people kind of consider to be territorial. When I say early season, I mean like first week or two of October. That's re- a lot of the rubs that you're finding early season are just them trying to get their velvet off. Um, and especially on areas where you've got a later rut and a later fawn drop and, um, you know, later antler drop, you know, they not, might not drop antlers until April or May. You're going to see a lot of deer and velvet all the way up into mid October in some areas. So if you're seeing rubs this time of year, it's not so much territorial like it is pre-rut. It's more of just like, Hey, get, get this stuff off of me. I got to get it off now type of thing. Um, but I am seeing on some properties that I hunt, um, public land, I'm starting to see some community scrapes and I've got cameras set up on some community scrapes that seem even for me, like very early, very early in the season to start seeing scrapes, but they're getting hit every single day. And the thing that's most interesting is every two or three days, you'll see a buck, but every day, four or five times a day, you'll see does come in, stomp around, pee in it, hang around in front of the camera for a couple of minutes and move on. So they're actually being checked more by does right now than they are bucks. And, and to be totally honest, I'm not quite sure to what, what to make of that as far as like an early season sign making. That one's even kind of new to me. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Louisiana? I think it's going to decline. Um, I think it's probably going to go down to a five or a six, which would be about average for us. Um, and the reason why is. Uh, the, the temps are rising. It's going to be in the 60s as a low and the 80s, mid-80s as a high again. Um, and not only that, but I think that southwest Louisiana rut is going to start to, to dry up. And we're just going to go back to our typical level of four or five seeing bucks uh, during daylight, um, which isn't that great. But until your area really kicks off for uh, its rut activity, 
I think it'll probably stay in the four or five range um, for the time being. All right, Kyler, great intel. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Aaron, Josh, Cole, and Kyler for joining me. and Thank you guys for listening. As a reminder, you can find this week's reading material in the description of the podcast where you're going to get articles like How to Rattle in a Buck on Public Land, The Land Feature Too Many Deer Hunters Ignore, How to Sight in a Bow in 25 Minutes, and How Adam Hayes Finds the Biggest Buck on a Property. I hope you're in the woods this weekend and you're going to find all sorts of rubs and scrapes that you didn't previously see and you're going to be hearing bucks rattling and seeing them sparring and hopefully get a shot opportunity for yourself. I will talk to you next week and until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.